that this call is being recorded. Wow, what? What is all this yelling? Oh my gosh. Hey, I was watching uh, Come On Man from uh, last year. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, what did I dial into here? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Fourth and Short Podcast. This is Brian for your post-draft recap, joined Again. by Brad and John, and yes. two special guests. John, shut your mouth. Um, we have DW and Gina from the Falcoholic to talk crap on the Saints and Buccaneers draft <laughs> classes, because quite frankly, that's the most fun thing we can do. So. DW, how are you doing tonight? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on, man. And Gina, I know you're uh, you're dealing with some form of sickness, bronchitis, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. have bronchitis. Yeah, I have bronchitis, and so I am uh, I am on top of codeine that is legally prescribed by a doctor, but also kind of lit, so it should be interesting. Playing hers. She's, she's hashtag lit, but we have. She's toughened it out for us, for the CSR podcast and our listeners. So we're very grateful for that, Gina. Um, John and Brett, well, I'll start with John. John, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Can't Brad, complain. Brad, you always start with John. Why? Because you suck and I hate you. I suck. You're also my boss. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for me, this shit wouldn't even be running. First of all, you're my boss, so I always save you for last because you're the best for last, as they say. Okay, that that works for me. Yeah, I thought so, that I talk too much, and you know that I'm like chomping at the bit to say words. Yeah, John's always over there, like, uh, let me talk for the next half hour. So yeah, that's I always me. ask him first. That way he can get his get his hot air out. Um, but yeah. I would too. <laughs> So yeah, a draft happened this this past week. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but uh, there were some players that were drafted, and there was some trades that happened, and there was some funny shit like Dave Gettleman taking Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick, and then sticking to it, you know. So, <laughs> what's Glorious. funny to me is that is that he said that he got several calls for that pick and refused to trade down. So. In these last several drafts, Dave Gettleman has never traded down, ever. He will only trade up or he will draft the player in front of him, which is just so Dave Gettleman of him. My favorite thing about that was was him talking about that they got a bunch of big butts on their team in the draft. That was <laughs> Well, clearly he values what's important on the mm-hmm. field. Yeah. I mean, if you think That's about that. it, he was he was big on the hog mollies, and obviously they have the biggest butts on the field. So, I mean, now, one bit of thing we know that we know that Dave Gettleman is a very honest gentleman because he likes big butts. He can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! He also he can't. He's that has been proven. He cannot tell a lie. <laughs> honest, honest Dave, right there. Good old Gettleman. Good old Gettleman. Um, so before we even get into the draft class, I do want to address what happened today, which was Matt Ryan getting that hashtag fat contract. Quite so, fat. Quite fat. Um, they gave Matt Ryan the bag. That's what that's what the millennials are supposed to say. They gave him the bag. Yep. I didn't even know that as a millennial. Wow, I'm, I'm falling behind here. What? You're, 
you're barely you're barely a millennial. You're a meta millennial. A meta millennial, like- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll start with you, DW. So what do you what do you think of Matt Ryan's contract? Um, I was a little surprised by the guaranteed money being a hundred million. Um, and I think we're still waiting to see if that gets confirmed. Uh, but there's no reason to think it won't be, especially after what Kirk Cousins got um, in this offseason. Um, you know, it, it's I don't think anyone's really surprised. We, we all sort of knew it was going to fall in at about 30 million a year. Um, and I, I think I mentioned earlier to a cat scratch reader that uh, we're now in the game of NFL QB um, contract leapfrog. So the, the, the question now is who's next? And I think we all fully expect that Aaron Rodgers will get something that's comparable, if not a little bit higher. And on and on we go. You know, and, and at some point uh, next year or two, uh, Cam Newton will probably be the next one to, to break that number. So uh, it's not anything that was unexpected. And I don't think in today's NFL that you can afford to not pay a quarterback. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. Uh, and I think Ryan, you know, after an MVP season a couple of years ago, a uh, Super Bowl appearance, it, it would be very, very hard for the Falcons to make the argument that they shouldn't have paid him. So um, I, I'm glad it's done. Uh, it would have been great to see a smaller contract, but that was never going to happen. Well, to your first point, um, I am the social media czar now. So uh, that you were tweeting at me. So I, I saw that. <laughs> I've, I've been promoted. I'm not sure why, but I was, I've been promoted. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And when you have one, you might as well, you know, pay them. So it's certainly pretty much expected to see Matt Ryan reset the quarterback market because, you know, he has some proven production, especially as like a former MVP. Funny enough, like the Carolina Panthers quarterback, former MVP. So thanks for resetting that market for him because now we're probably going to pay him more. So wonderful. Um, Gina, what are are your thoughts on that? Well, um, as you know, I've been sick and I've been sleeping off and on most of the day and I was awake when he got the extension, but I haven't had a chance to read anything about it. And so I just literally the second found out that he got a hundred million guaranteed and it took all of my restraint to keep from yelling, what the shit? out loud while David was talking, because that is a lot of money. Um, but I agree with everything that David said. If you have a franchise quarterback, you lock him up. This contract, the per year number is exactly in line with what I expected. I think it will be structured in a way that frees up cap space immediately, which is good. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just a necessary evil of today's NFL. You've got to pay quarterbacks. This is the way that it works, the end. Well, I'm glad that we were able to break that news to you, Gina. <laughs> yeah thank you for that yep no problem um so i guess i'll start with brad since he got all salty because i started with john um so we are looking at obviously matt ryan just got his big deal and cam will probably get more just because that's how the quarterback market works um so what are your thoughts on this deal and what are your thoughts on how it's going to affect cam newton's deal inevitably down the line well, my personal distaste for Matt Ryan aside, uh, I agree with our friends from the Falcoholic. You ha- if you have a franchise quarterback, you have to pay him. That's point blank, the end. That's how it works now. So Matt Ryan was just next in line. And like uh, DW said a few minutes ago, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be next. Then you're going to have guys. Jameis Winston is going to get paid, as laughable as that sounds. Uh Cam Newton's going to get reworked. He's going to top whoever's after Aaron Rodgers. You know, Marcus Mariota is going to get paid again. All these quarterbacks are going to just keep moving the number up, 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 and up. And you know, that's just the way the NFL works. Uh, if you if you have a quarterback, you pay him. I mean, you know, Atlanta really didn't have much of an option because the only other thing they could have done was drafted somebody this year, and I mean, they would have been stuck with somebody like Josh Allen. And as as much as I would personally enjoy that train wreck and disaster, you know, I, I don't think Atlanta wants to go there. So definitely you know, not. I, I don't blame them for giving Matt Ryan thirty million per year with uh, up to a hundred guaranteed. I mean it. Do I think he's worth it personally? No, but I don't think really any quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers is worth that kind of money. But, you know, you got to pay to play. Yep. 
I don't think Aaron Rodgers was worth that kind of money with his injury history. I don't with think his injury history, I think you're right. That, yeah. Yeah, and so I don't. Th- I don't think that any quarterback in the league is worth that kind of money, but I think the market will bear it. And so they're going to make that kind of money. It's just the nature of today's NFL. Well, that's where free agency is going too. like, I mean, Sammy Watkins getting top, top 10 wide receiver money in free agency. That's just where it's going. Like you're going to mm-hmm. have to pay. You have to pony up for those players, like whether they're good or not. And obviously Matt Ryan is, you know, pretty good. Hashtag pretty good. So <laughs> You, you gotta, you gotta pay for him, uh, John. What are your thoughts on that deal and the potential impact on Cam Newton's deal? I don't have anything really new to add other than that we're watching the death of the middle class in the NFL salary cap structure. It's like all like That's twenty thirty million dollar contracts to to big to like star quarterbacks and star players, maybe like the top four players on a roster, and then the rest of it's like rookie contracts and basically like minimum vet deals. It's a very good point, John. And the oh, biggest thanks. guy we have to blame about this is Kirk Cousins. Because he had to go out there and get a $30 million a year, three-year deal. I'm surprised so he's the Kirk first Cousins. one that's ever gotten a fully guaranteed deal. Because if I were an NFL player, I would be shooting for that. Even if it meant like less total money on the contract. Like Now you're not at the mercy of the team to cut you whenever they feel like it. Like You get your three-year yeah. deal and you know you're there for three years. Yeah, and we'll see how the CBA affects that in three years because that'll certainly change because, you know, the owners don't want that, obviously. <laughs> well, they're going to have to buck it up and suck it up because the, the new CBA is going to be a whole lot different than the current one. Yeah, we'll That's see about that. Prediction there. So, quarterbacks aside, a draft happened. Players got drafted. We'll start with the first-round picks of both of our draft classes. Um, obviously, the Panthers drafted DJ Moore, who is a, from what Steve Smith says, a Steve Smith clone. So that's a pretty good deal. Um, however, the Falcons also managed to grab Calvin Ridley, who is really fast and really good at open, getting open down the field deep. Not a good thing for the NFC South. Um, DW. I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the selection of Calvin Ridley? Uh, We were completely caught off guard. Obviously, I think anyone that followed the Falcons was completely convinced at that point that they were going to select Taven Bryan. Uh, We were convinced they were going to go defensive tackle. It's a need, you know, they had in the draft. And the Calvin Ridley pick came out of nowhere. Um, In hindsight, now seeing the full draft class and some of the players they got, um, I, I'm actually a fan of the pick. Uh, I think he is going to be uh, a long-term wide receiver 1A next to Julio. Um, he won't necessarily have to be the top guy, uh, whereas you know any other team that may have selected him would have expected him to be the top guy. Uh, and I think it's going to take some of that pressure off of him. Um, he is a refined route runner. Uh, he is uh, exceptionally quick, and I think he's going to be a good fit for this offense. Um, it's it wasn't the pick that I would have made, but uh, in hindsight, I, I really like it. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Gina, what are your thoughts on the Ridley pick? I love the Ridley pick. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. At first, I was like, what? what? Because they needed a defensive tackle, and Ridley was not a guy who was even on their radar. I mean, Ridley even said they never talked to him through this process. <laughs> He was shocked that they picked him too. But um, I love the pick for a number of reasons. One, I think that it probably signals that this final year of Muhammad Sanu's contract will be the last year for him. And um, Sanu is making a lot of money um, relative to his production. And so I think that that's fine. I think that Ridley has the potential to be not just a wide receiver too, but a like basically a 1A wide receiver um i think that he's got the speed and the his route running is so pretty that i think that he can pull coverage from folio and open things up to make more plays and you know hopefully some more 300 yard gains and whatnot from him uh sorry i just had to throw that in there so yeah i do i love the pick i love the pick 
I want to so say John something about and, Calvin Ridley. Go ahead. I was I was terrified the Panthers were going to pick him, and I'm so glad we didn't. Why is that? I'm, I'm very. I would be very. I'm. I would be very concerned about a wide receiver who's as old as he is and has no real defend like defining positive trait other than route running and route running is kind of a learned skill. So I would be scared. I was nervous that his route running could be kind of benefited by the fact that he's older than everybody he was going up against. And when that advantage is taken away from him, I don't know like if he'll be nearly as effective in the NFL. Cause he's got, he's got a good top end speed, but he wasn't great. He's with contested catches in college. I saw that he only had a few and he didn't do very well with the few he had. He's not overly quick and short bursts. He's not very big. Uh, he's just kind of savvy, which is what you'd expect from somebody who graduated high school and they're 20 years old and has been older than everybody they've faced their whole life. But that was my take. Brad, do you have a take on that? I pretty much agree with John. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't draft Ridley because he's like 52 years old and, you know, <laughs> I I just he was probably my least favorite of the first round targets that we could have realistically taken. And I mean, I don't think he's going to be terrible by any means, but I, I don't think he will be as good as DJ Moore is. Yeah, I do want to add that's not to say Calvin really, I think we bat. And I do think he's a much better pick for Atlanta than he would have been for Carolina because Carolina kind of needed somebody with the potential to be like a driving, like a dominant, a, a one number wide receiver that could dictate coverages while Calvin Ridley, I think is a more sure bet to be a solid number two, but less likely to grow further into like a bona fide number one. I think playing second field with Julio Jones is a perfect spot for him, but yeah, for I Carolina, agree. I wouldn't like that because we don't have Julio Jones. So essentially the tale of two receivers with DJ Moore possibly having the ceiling to be the number one receiver where, Ridley obviously doesn't have to be because, you know, they have Julio Jones who hangs up 100 to 300 yard games every now and again. So he also drops game winning touchdowns in the end zone. But I was going to be nice to say that I I actually agreed with the assessment of Moore versus Ridley, but, uh, you know, to hell with that now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So we already broke down the Panthers draft class as a whole. I'm not going to have you guys break down the Falcons draft class as a whole, but is there one guy that we should be we should be watching out for aside from Ridley? And I'll start with Eugenia from the draft class. Let's see. Who should you be watching out for aside from Ridley? Um, I think that Sanat is a very interesting – that's the defensive tackle that they got in round three, I believe – um, this guy at first I was like, who? But, um, I saw some tape of him from the senior bowl and he's really, um, very similar to Grady Jarrett, a little bit undersized, but very explosive, very athletic, the kind of player that Dan Quinn covets. And so really fast off the snap, um, is, yeah, I think that he can be disruptive and also he's tough against the run, or at least he was in college. So I think that he's a great addition and, you know, he's a guy that, um, it's, pretty low risk based on where they picked him, but I think that he can be a really solid addition. The other one, I can't believe that I forgot to mention this, Edo Smith, and I don't know that he'll have a tremendous impact this year with both um, Kevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman on the roster, but I think that selecting him may signal the end of Coleman's time in Atlanta because he's going into a contract year. And um, Edo Smith is just really well-rounded. He's actually very similar to Freeman in terms of um, just how, how adept he is at both running and receiving, how dangerous he is once he gets into space. And then also um, he has really great vision, not as good as Savante's, but really, really good. And so I think that he's a really interesting prospect to watch too. Probably not so much to have an impact this year, but I would say definitely next year if they move on from heaven. All right. All right. DW, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with those, but I, I think whereas the NFC South is concerned, um, the guy that I think is going to have a, an initial impact will be actually second round pick Isaiah Oliver. There were a lot of people that thought he was going to be a first round pick. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I was surprised he was still 
on the board when he got to us in the second round. Um, and he is, he's six foot, but he's got freakishly long arms. Uh, this is a guy, he, he does not match up well against shiftier wide receivers. And I think this is another pick similar to Ridley, where um, if you had plugged him in as the number one corner, you would have been disappointed with what you got. Coming into Atlanta, he won't be expected to be that guy. You know, we've got Desmond Trufant. We've got Robert Alford. They can cover those shiftier guys. Where Trufant and Alford had struggled is with guys like Devin Funchess, Mike Evans, um, the taller, more physical receivers. Oliver fits that that billing a lot better. So he's not going to match up well against the smaller guys, but against some of these guys who have taken advantage of, you know, the height difference uh, with, uh, you know, Alfred and, and Trufant. Uh, I actually think Oliver is going to be a guy to watch out for, especially in the NFC matchups. I agree. Oliver was a guy that I also saw in the first round. So that was definitely a decent pick for them. Um, Brad or John, do you guys have anything to say about what they just said? No, uh, I'm I'm ready to, to make fun of the Saints and Buccaneers. Yeah, me too. Well, that's Woo-hoo! a great segue because the Saints traded up for a pass rusher. They traded up for Marcus Davenport. I don't remember exactly what they gave away for that, but it was enough where. Next year's first round pick is the main. Next year's first rounder and their first rounder this year. So number 27 and next year's first. So, yeah. So, Drew Brees is all of a sudden. I I was just going to say, I was sitting there laughing because I was like, this is for Lamar Jackson. They're trading up for Lamar Jackson. They're going to find their successor to Drew Brees. And then it turned out Uh to be Marcus Davenport. And I laughed my ass off about that because the Saints are trash. The Saints are trash. And what's interesting is Drew Brees is also old as hell, and he could decline this year. And then they could be in a position where they really have to draft somebody and bring them in next season to take over. And, and they can't because they, can't they suck. <laughs> and here's the other thing. My esteemed former colleague at SB Nation NFL, Adam Stite, uh described Davenport as follows. I believe he said – He's like Jadavian Clowney if Jadavian Clowney didn't know how to play football. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, I mean, you have the – like, he has the raw talent. Does he have enough raw talent to justify what they gave up for him? Probably no. not. I mean, he this does is not. With a 37-year-old quarterback, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, essentially, I, he has to be Reggie White for this to work out. I mean, you know, we, we can establish that. And I agree with Adam's take. He he doesn't have it. I, I don't see it. And the, mm-hmm. the funniest thing to me, he would have been there at 27 if they would have just waited. Like, nobody was going to draft yes. Davenport. No, and for sure nobody was going to trade up like that to get him. I mean, no. that's one of the – I do wonder if they got duped by some other team, though. Like, you know, if somebody was like, well, you know, we're considering Davenport to try to trick them into giving that up for that. Because I would do that if I were GM. Like, I would just flat out mess with people. It would be my great pleasure. See, I hope I hope it was either Atlanta or Carolina, two teams that picked right before New Orleans, because that would make it even more awesome. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it, it has to be something because you don't make that trade just to get a pass rusher at, at 14. Now, if they traded up to get you know, like somebody at number one or number two overall, it's different because the value is possibly there. Like Bradley Chubb, for example. But, you know, not, mm-hmm. not Marcus Davenport. It's a weird player to target because I remember people that know more about the draft than I do talking about on CSR, like, we better not take Davenport at 24. As much as we need a defensive end, he's not good. And then <sighs> wow. I, I don't know if the same – the Saints panicked because I'm looking at the the draft and the the next de- defensive end didn't get off the board till 52, and if they just they panicked like we have to get this defensive end and if we don't get him then we're not going to get one, and I don't really know what what their thought process was. Like I said, I don't know. I'm not didn't know a lot about him before the draft, but reading his scouting report on uh, NFL.com and his grade is chance to become a starter. Mm-hmm. Which is like a so usually like a not... second or third round pick. Oh wow, yeah, that's yeah. bad. And yeah. then yeah. and then I mean... oh, his weaknesses are like everything that a defensive end should be good at. 
But just watch. Because it's the damn Saints, he's going to have like 25 sacks this year. Yeah. So I don't know. I the, don't he's plays know. With, plays with elevated pad level, uh, slow to change directions, has delayed acceleration, uh, needs a runway to build up speed, allows blockers <laughs> to get in. Like, it's just like, well, what is he good at? He's just like Wait, a, a big physical freak. Are we sure he's not a fullback? Are we sure he's not a fullback? That sounds more like a, the scouting report for a fullback and not a defensive end. Maybe it's they just, plan yeah. to play him as a fullback. It probably would make more sense than expecting him to be an NFL-ready starter on the defensive line. I mean, they have a lot of good running backs, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I told I told David on the Falcoholic podcast last night that um, I, I, too, felt that they were trading up to take Lamar Jackson. I was very annoyed because Lamar Jackson's a player that I would like to root for, and so I did not want him to land with the Saints, and I was pissed. And then it was like Sean Payton made the pick that I would have made. It's like he let me do it. Like, I would have been like, <laughs> yes, let's mortgage the future and make it impossible to replace Drew Brees next year, give away next year's first-round draft pick, and pick a guy who needs a ton of development and might not ever be an actual starter in the NFL. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, the only thing that will make this even funnier and better than it is right now is if Drew Brees gets hurt game one and it doesn't have to be bad like he breaks his ankle or something and they go three and 13 and they get the number one or number two pick in next year's draft and they could have drafted nothing serious just a broken ankle just a well you know nothing like a, a torn achilles or something you know anything like that but something oh. that keeps him out long enough where they can't win games and they end up trading the number one two or three overall pick next year to get marcus davenport <laughs> That's what we need to happen. Yes. I would so, love that. An, an injury that Advocare products can't fix. That's an injury at. that Herbalife <laughs> or Advocare cannot fix. Agreed. I, I just want to point out not I don't I don't want to be a box score scouter, but I'm gonna be a box score scout right now. Um Marcus Davenport in four years and what is this, thirty five, forty three games in college got twenty one and a half sacks. Eight and a half sacks as a senior at UTSA against Conference USA. Wow, it's so, hey, so I would so I don't know. Top, top flight, top flight college talent, the best talent that you can possibly face. The, no, yes, the Conference Panthers USA. drafted the Panthers drafted Marquise Haynes at in the fourth round at number one hundred and thirty six overall, and he had thirty sacks at Ole Miss in the SEC. So wow. that just puts that uh-huh. in context. Yeah. Yeah, they, the the Saints absolutely need this guy to be Julius Peppers to uh, justify yes. that sort of trade up. And even at that, I don't. I, Drew Brees is thirty nine. He turned thirty nine this past January. And you know, for those who watch the Saints and have watched the Saints uh, newsflash, he was already regressing last year. He yes. cannot he cannot throw outside the numbers like he used to. Uh, he is throwing almost exclusively uh, between the hashes at this point. Um, they're going to have to replace him in the very near future, and they cannot do that with a first-round pick next year. Ha-ha, suck it, Saints. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe Davenport will be a good quarterback. Who knows? Hey, I mean, that, that's probably a better bet than him being a good defensive end. <laughs> oh, man. Damn. Throwing shade. Guys, so, I just got to be honest. The Saints, the Saints are trash. Their draft was trash. Yeah, I'm looking That's at their draft, and I don't, see, I don't see anything redeemable. The only pick they made that is even really worthy of discussion, other than laughing at, is Traquan Smith in the third round. That you know, Sean Payton can get something out of that, but <laughs> other than that, it's it is a flaming pile of garbage. Mm-hmm. Strong agree. Well, that's good because the Panthers and the and the Falcons both have to compete with the Saints to try and get to the top of the NFC South again. But certainly mm-hmm. having a trash draft doesn't help with that. I mean, that's that's like expanding on your wait, 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 on your wait, house. One more, thing. With, oh. one more thing: they drafted a tackle named Rick Leonard. Did they draft him out of like 1972? <laughs> what kind of name is Rick Leonard? <laughs> Are there children that age named Rick? That's what I'm saying. Like, no, 
I've never met anybody near my age. That's what I'm saying. I don't know anybody close. Like 77, and his name is Rick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Saints draft class is like they they just expanded on their on their bathroom and like added a whole new room in their house last year, and then they just added a a a dumpster nearby. (laughs) That's that's what I see. Yeah, I, I think it's worth pointing out that uh, in in several of the uh, in these are basically worthless, but take it for what you will. In many of the draft grades I've seen after the fact, uh, the Panthers and the Falcons generally got pretty strong draft grades, um, and Carolina got pretty negative draft grades, and Tampa Bay was sort of meh. So uh, I, I think you know if you take those for you know any value, the 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 Falcons and the Panthers came out on top in the NC South. Which is odd because I think Tampa Bay actually had a pretty good draft. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think they did better than Atlanta or Carolina, but I mean, I think they were a, a lot better than new Orleans. I mean, Vita Vey, I don't know what you guys' offensive line situation is, but in Carolina, Vita Vey is going to terrorize our interior because we have a mini AKA not Alshon playing left guard. <laughs> and that's going to be a nightmare for us. So I was well, very distraught down. when he was chosen. I mainly didn't want him to go to the Bucks because I like him as a player. I think he's very talented. And I didn't want him to go play for a defensive coordinator who really does not develop young talent and believes that sacks don't matter. And I don't know if he really believes that sacks don't matter, but I know that he generally fields defenses that don't get sacks. So it might be a perspective of convenience. But I don't know that Vitavea is a great choice for a Tampa Bay defense that is coordinated by Mike Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to me, that's the wild card here. Vea, I, I agree. He's he can he has this unlimited potential, but I immediately made the joke after he was selected that I can't wait for the tears in Buccaneers fans' faces when uh the Bucks are in third and long and you watch Vea drop into coverage. Uh, which is something Mike Smith <laughs> did all the time in Atlanta. He would randomly dr- – he dropped Paul Soliai into coverage. I can still remember <laughs> – I can still remember the game that happened in and literally just throwing my remote at the ball – at, at the wall and saying, Mike Smith has got to go. So good luck, Buccaneers. Vita Vea will be dropping in the coverage like a goddamn safety. I wow. hope so. Because Vita Vea is what? actually very quick for a size, but not quick enough to cover receivers. So my take on the Vita Vea uh, pick, tell me if I'm wrong. He's not much of a pass rusher, is he? Not at this point. So Tampa, I don't know if you guys have, like Brad and Brian have become very familiar with this. I'm getting like, I'm jumping aboard the air raid train and realizing how little, like, look at every, I do a lot of research with numbers and stuff. And everything I find is pointing to that, like running the football is kind of a waste of time. And for the Buccaneers who had a horrific pass defense last year to pass up on potential talent in like the secondary mm-hmm. or on their offensive line to help them in their, on their offense. And instead take a two down nose tackle to stuff the run with the 11th pick or with the 12th pick, I am more than okay with that. I still can't believe they didn't take Derwin James. Like, that one that yeah. one shocked me. That's what I mean. Like, Derwin yeah. James is one of the corners. Uh, like, that would have been much better. That, that fits their team much better than a defensive tackle does. I mean, to be fair to them, they did get three defensive backs, two in the second round and one in the fourth round. But, you know, they could have got the best one. And, yeah. Yeah, but I would prioritize that early, and then if if you feel like you need a defensive tackle, you can draft a, a big guy later. I'm sure that doesn't have to be. Yeah, well, I just yeah, don't think pass rush, pass rush what? totally nullifies pass rush totally nullifies having good defensive back talent. And I know that DW and, and Gina can uh, attest to the fact that Mike Smith loves pass rush, so that. <laughs> Sound strategy right there, right? Yeah, and this is Vita Vey. I don't think it has any pass rush though. It's like I don't, I don't know if like having a dominant run stuffing nose tackle doesn't really help your team that much. 
And if that's what they, unless they expect Vita Vea to develop into be a good pass rusher, I don't think he's really going to, he might be very good as an individual and he might help their run defense. But as I've talked about before, having a good run defense doesn't really help you win games. It just looks good. To be fair, it, it will help them beat us. It will help them beat us, but I guess that's. I mean, that's two games a year. Games, yeah, that's no, two man. wins a year. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think if you look at what the Falcons did, what the Saints did, and you know, even what the Panthers did, the Panthers took DJ Moore. Uh, they're clearly focusing on improving their uh, their passing games. Uh, all three teams and the Bucks basically doubled down on we're really, really going to stop the run and. I, again, I, it's the Mike Smith mentality. He would be a fantastic defensive coordinator in 1985. And I feel like that's what he is gearing for. And it, it, the, the Vea pick, he may be a fantastic player, but you're still not going to be able to stop these passing offenses. And, uh, I, you know, the Panthers, the, the, the Falcons, and the Saints, all of them, all of them committed to improving their passing game in, in this draft class. And, uh, the Bucks doubled down on we've got to stop the run. It just doesn't make sense. I didn't like the pick. Uh, I, I like it from the standpoint of it doesn't help the Bucks, but I, I, I felt like it was a nonsensical pick, especially like you guys said, Derwin James was on the board. He was right there. He would have made a huge impact in their secondary, and they passed on him for a two-down player. Well, to be fair, um, Ron Rivera coaches like it's 1973. Uh, and he's even said we have to establish the run. We have to control the ball. We have to have time of possession. So I think uh, Vita Vea will help Tampa beat us, like I said a minute ago. Uh, you know, and giving giving Ron Rivera a player like DJ Moore is like buying your grandmother a Ferrari. Like it doesn't really do <laughs> any good. Uh, it, it will look very nice in the garage when, when you see it. She doesn't know how to drive it, and she's probably going to wreck it on her way to church on Sunday. And, <laughs> you know, it. I I love the DJ Moore pick. Don't get me wrong. I just – I don't know if Ron Rivera or, or Norv Turner will be able to use him properly. That, But I'm, I'm a natural pessimist, so, you know. He's going to look great you. when they're blocking on the outside for uh... – inside dives i'm not not to get too sidetracked but (laughs) i am optimistic that maybe we're starting to to come to our senses because every move we've made this offseason has been to strengthen around the like the passing game we added a bunch of secondary players we had a dj Moore, the only running back we've acquired this offseason used to play wide receiver like we don't at least i'm hopeful that we're actually i I said that last week i'm hopeful that that the tide is turning but you know, there's always that little voice in the back of my head that says, no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> well, and Ron Rivera is still the head coach, too. So we always have to remember that. Yeah, and, and I would say, I mean, I really liked uh, y'all's uh, pick in the, uh, I guess, was the fourth round, Ian Thomas, the, uh, the tight yes. end. Yeah, I, I felt like that was a fantastic pick, uh, you know, it, to, to, to give to Cam Newton. And, and honestly, again, I, I think the Panthers, I, I think, I'm not as pessimistic. Uh, I think a realistic view uh, from my standpoint, uh, you know, from the outside looking in is I I do think the Panthers are going to commit more to the pass based on the moves they've made. And I still feel like Tampa is committing to stopping this running game that is just not as predominant in the NFL. And even, you know, even with what you guys did last year um, with Christian McCaffrey, you got a running back who really is an all purpose. He's, he's more of a receiver in some ways than he is running back. And, you know, Tampa got a guy that's back there to, to stop a, uh, a Jonathan Stewart. And it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, and I love the fact that they did it. I love the fact that, the you know, the Saints gave up a first rounder. So uh, I love that both of these teams in many ways screwed up their first round pick. Uh, but from a pure an- analysis standpoint, I think they just bombed it. Oh, uh, don't worry. We'll we'll make sure to run Cameron R's paint up the middle like fifteen times against the Bucks and the Saints. So. <laughs> right at if we still have Mike Shula, I would not put it past him to be like, well, the last thing they expect us to at do Vita Vea. Yep. Is, is to run at Vita Vea and Gerald McCoy. They won't expect us to do that, so that's what we'll do. As we and go right into their strengths. Maybe more, but I don't know. Maybe North Turner will be smarter. I hope I'm I'm optimistic that North Turner will be wiser than that. I expected the offense to look more like a Rob Chudzinski offense than a Mike Shula offense under Norv Turner just because of the passing concepts in his offense. 
have we talked about how sorry gina and dw but i need to i want to ask brad and brian about this have we talked about how the false like correlation that panthers fans seem to have where our defense was really bad while rob chesinski was our offensive coordinator and then it became better when mike shula took over and people are associating that with rob chesinski's offense like it was somehow making our defense worse have we ever talked about that we haven't and that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard oh people talk about it's not a it kind of got forgotten about over the last couple of years because people started to come back to maybe we should just rehire Rob Chadzinski. But for a long time, people were like, Rob Chadzinski's offense was great for stats, but it, it caused turnovers and uh, put the defense in a bad spot, even though the defense has been significantly better on its own merit since uh, 2013. It had that's nothing funny. to do with our offense. That's funny that it was great for stats when, you know, they were scoring points. That's That's ultimately what the best offenses do is – score points and that's what Rob Chesinski's offense did so yeah, yeah. we had a make the statistic record offense. in 2011 with Rob Chudzinski's offense and our defense was straight garbage we had yeah. freaking, we had what's his face uh the special teams linebacker starting for most of that for most of 2012 uh what was his name um <laughs> Jordan Sen Jordan oh, yeah. Sen Oh yeah, he was a starting linebacker. He yeah, was a starting linebacker, and we were all like, "Oh, he might be a good, a decent linebacker in his career." And it was all because Carolina's linebackers were literally so shitty that he was better than them. Yeah, so I'm, if, I would be very happy if our offense goes back to Rob Chudzinski style. Uh, you know, push the ball, push the ball down the field. Uh, let Cam be Cam go for big plays and not try to live by this whole pound the rock type mentality. That's pretty much what every team should do. I'm I'm going to write something that's just going to be like a dare. I'm going to dare a coach to just go embrace the air raid yeah, and the, watch yeah. and watch the winds flow. Hire Mike Leach, go all out air raid, go for it. It's just like Atlanta. Let Matt Ryan be Matt Ryan. Just yeah, let him go. Like, Give him the ball. Hell, put it. Put him a little patch of dirt here. Draw plays in the dirt. Just go. <laughs> you know, I was gonna let say quarterbacks <laughs> run it. Earn that damn money. I was gonna say <laughs> like DW and Gina can probably attest to this, but uh, Matt Ryan got full, essentially like full control, if not seventy-five percent control of the offense in last year and the, this year, and it's pretty good. Yeah, and, ball pretty well. Uh, it's been a bone of contention in Atlanta that uh, Ryan has excelled in the no huddle, uh, where he's been able to call lines uh, plays at the line of scrimmage. We did a statistical analysis back in uh, two thousand between two thousand twelve and two thousand fifteen, and his passer rating in uh, the huddle was you know it was like ninety five, ninety six, and his passer rating in the no huddle uh, when he was calling plays was like one forty. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, and, and I think there is something to be said for that. You know, these quarterbacks, uh, like you said, you're paying them all this money and then you're, you're putting some guy in a booth in charge of the offense that, you know, wants to, uh, run, run pass. Uh, and it's like, come on, you know, you're, you're paying these guys a hundred million, uh, guaranteed, let them run the freaking offense, let them, th- let them sling the ball, let them, you know, let's live on the arms of these guys. Not that the running game isn't important. Uh, I think it's important, but it doesn't have to be the, the cornerstone like it used to be in the 1980s. I, I just don't understand uh, why when things work in college football, it's like people just automatically assume, well, it only works in college. It wouldn't work in the NFL. And I don't know why that has to be the case. Like the hurry-up offense, I'm sure almost every quarterback is better in the hurry-up offense because when you're in a hurry-up offense or in a, even just, just a no huddle, the defense can't really call plays because they have to hurry up and get formation. And then they get stuck running base defenses and base personnel and they can't sub out for mismatches and for fatigue. And the offense has got a huge advantage if they're running a huddle the whole time. I don't know why you wouldn't do that as an offense. Yeah. Especially like if you we, have players like Atlanta and Carolina do where we have running backs that can catch and receivers that can run. Absolutely. And you could just get the same personnel on the field. Your personnel is a mismatch no matter where you put them. And so why don't you just, keep your guys on the field and the defense gets stuck in like a four, three and you have four capable receivers on the field and they have no way to stop it or no way to fix it. Yeah. 
It's like we talked about last week. The the two best offenses in the league are New Orleans and New England. What do they have in common? Lots of no huddle and lots of lots of throwing no huddle, the ball lots and of spread, lots the ball of air raid, and they both have old old ass Hall of Fame quarterbacks. <laughs> old ass, old ass quarterbacks. That was going to be my contribution to this conversation. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> they also have so, versatile players like uh, Alvin Kamara and uh, Rex Burkhead, like <laughs> players that can catch the ball out of the backfield where you can just throw them into any into any given situation. They might and they would probably succeed. So. Oh, speaking of the Patriots, um, since I, I think we're kind of we've kind of talked about our division oh, no. opponents. Um, w- were they just making a joke when they drafted Braxton Berrios? Since everybody's been making that joke all draft season. I think so. <laughs> like it's like as a six match to throw away pick anyway. We might as well just play into the the joke and draft the white guy, the white wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I would find it hard to believe that that Belichick wasn't trolling. Like I would be more surprised <laughs> if he wasn't. I just I just can't help but think that factored into the decision somewhat. Like there's no way they were just like he happened coincidentally to be like the top guy on their board that they targeted that they're like, uh, eh, this will be funny. <laughs> uh it it completely makes sense for the Patriots to troll the rest of the NFL, honestly. Do you guys want to hear my theory about Bill Belichick? I think I said it on. Did you guys see the fan post I posted on your site a few like last week? Um, I said it in a comment on there. I don't know if Bill Belichick's a super genius or if he's just like a moderately intelligent man competing with a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's a very fair assessment. Yeah, I think, I think it's so option too. B. Yeah, I agree. Just like everything I've I've researched with like my statistical analysis and analyses and stuff comes back, and every time I get like the results, that always comes back to stuff the Patriots are already doing, and nobody else is like even thinking about it. And it's just like there's no wonder this team always wins everything. Brian, you still there? Brian, did you die? I'm here. I'm here. I, <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm waiting for I was you to continue like, this conversation. <laughs> need to, you need to be a host, and you need to take control of the reins. When it gets you know, a, a, key, a key to an engaging podcast is awkward silence. It's a crowd cleaver. <laughs> I like how you sounded like you didn't have your mic like near your face, because there was a shuffle after we called him. Like, Brian, you still there? Yeah, 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 I'm still here. What's, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm... Oh, my God. I was I was expecting DW or Gina to like respond to what you said and they didn't. So <laughs> See, that's where you come in. You I guide them respond. into what you want them to say. See, I was well, gonna we are, we are at the hour mark here. Though. Well not an hour of recording, but I was gonna edit out that silence, but since we've been making fun of you for letting it happen, we're gonna <laughs> keep this in there now. That's that's fine. I mean if Whatever you need for engagement, I'm fine with that. As in fact, media. John, if you want, you can extend it out by like 20 <laughs> seconds just to make it even funnier. All right, oh, I might put overlay some like Jeopardy music on it. <laughs> As the new social media manager, whatever whatever's required for engagement, I'm okay with that. So, you want that awkward silence there? Go for it, my but my dude, go for it. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Makes less work for me. I'll have to go find it and edit it out. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> yeah, see, it's uh, making my life easier. <laughs> so I guess we're uh, getting towards the end of it here. Um, <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I'm well, I sorry, mean, Brian. Like, I mean, you know, like the, the awkward silence happens because there's not much else to talk about. I mean. The draft just happened. That we're waiting for OTAs and mini camp and training camp and all that, all that jazz. So these players haven't even stepped on the NFL field yet. So yeah, we, everything we just said could be completely wrong. Yeah, there is that be. possibility. Marcus Davenport's going to get twelve sacks. Vita Vea is going to uh, demolish everybody's interior line, and our players are going to be terrible. Yeah. And Brenton Burson will beat out DJ Moore for a wide receiver spot. 100%. That, that, that one really could happen, so please don't say that. That that is a that is a very deep level of darkness you're talking about right there. 
Well, while we, we, while we have two fans. while we have two Falcons fans on, who are your guys' version of Brenton Burson? Because I, I know every ask. NFL roster has a Brenton Burson on it. So <laughs> that's a great question, Brad. Who, who's your guy? Uh, it changes every year, doesn't it, Gina? Like I think last year it was Reggie well, Davis. No, but it can't change every year. It can't well, change every Burson. year. That's the point. Brenton Burson's been on no, the team since 1987. It's Nick Williams. They're the same oh, player. Yes, yes it is Williams. Nick Williams. Oh, my it God. Nick Williams. He's scrappy. He's gritty. He's a fan favorite. He really doesn't do jack shit on the field, but nobody seems to care. He's definitely white. You know, all really of these things. Well, I knew all he was white things. when he said he was gritty. Like, that gave it away. Yeah, that, that described <laughs> Brenton Burson to, like, a T. What, what is, who is Nick Williams? Like, what does he play? I'm, I'm, Wide receiver. Oh, of course. <laughs> Maybe it is Bretton Burson. Maybe he just like like jumps into persona. If he uh, what's, on the Panthers, he just he's he's Nick Williams now and goes plays for the Falcons. Where what's great is Nick Williams has been on the Falcons roster for like three years, and for two years, two straight years, on NFL.com, they had the picture of some random African American player. Like they didn't even have <laughs> this guy's actual picture. <laughs> They sure did. It was it was truly something, and it was like for three years. It was not like a brief mistake that they then corrected. Like was, Nick Williams was in the league for three years with the completely wrong picture for him. It was glorious. That's wow. so funny. That's incredible. It's kind of like when David Newton was uh, tweeting about Philly Brown and put up a picture of Jericho Cotri, who was like twelve years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> And Jericho Cotri is not like a generic looking face. He has a very specific looking face. Like you could pick him out easily in any kind of like witness hearing where you <laughs> see people lined up. Like Jericho Cotri is not a generic looking guy. He is he is Jericho Cotri. There is no way that you mistake him. Mm-hmm. And David Newton was like, oh, that's Philly Brown. 21 year old <laughs> Philly Brown. It's funny also because they have like completely different complexions too. Yeah. Yeah. Much like uh, Nick Williams and whoever was in his photo. <laughs> yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was another Nick Williams, and I think that was the problem. They, they couldn't was... differentiate between the two. <laughs> Nick Williams is... from 1995 who played safety for the, for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I picture it's – yeah, it's like a guy from like the 1980s, and he's got his big shoulder pads on in the picture. <laughs> that's like they're like up to his ears oh, it's so glorious and and nick williams may still make the roster again i i, I will never yeah. rule that out with the falcons yeah we we haven't ruled out brenton burson you know he hasn't been re-signed but he's always there he's lurking in the shadows he's lurking in the he, shadows he's waiting for somebody to get hurt we yeah, he's always he was, the first guy we ahead, thought Brian. he was done for last year we absolutely thought the brenton burson era was done and then the Panthers traded Kelvin Benjamin to the Bills for a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick, and suddenly he was back on the roster again. It's just, it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> I remember I, that, that was the greatest day of my life writing that article about Bretton Burson being back on the roster after they traded Kelvin <laughs> Benjamin. Uh, I actually remember that. Don't keep up with very much Panthers news, and I remember that myself as a Falcons fan. So it was, it was the best day of my life as a writer because the Panthers fans were just so angry about it. Yes, they hate him so much and it's so glorious. I don't understand he, why. I don't understand it either. I mean, I he he fumbled a punt like three years ago and now he's literally Hitler because he did that. And you know, I don't get it. I mean, it's not like it's his fault. Like, he doesn't force them to bring him back and what do they expect him to do hey would you like to be our number five wide receiver and make eight hundred thousand dollars what is he gonna do say no like who's gonna say no No, i'm not good enough for that i'm i'm not i'm not good enough for that call someone else call nick williams (laughs) you know why would he do that (laughs) you know they don't need the man because our our management wants to keep bringing him back it's not his fault it's their fault to be fair we've kind of perpetuated the meme and kind of created the meme as CSR, which is a, which is a life well, achievement. It's the best thing we've ever done. Is it we or is it you? Uh, I'm going to say we because I'm not... 
<laughs> I'm not the only one here, and we're and we're you know a, a consolidated entity here. But I mean, he is Jerry Richardson's son, so there's that. <laughs> that conspiracy. DW Gina, did you guys see that conspiracy theory uh, oh, like a year or two ago? No, there was a legitimate conspiracy theory that Brenton Burson is JR's son. There was like divorce, (laughs) Brenton Burson's parents, like divorce papers, since they're like court records or public, you know, public information. And somebody went through and found that his parents moved next door to Jerry Richardson like two years before he was born. (laughs) And And then they got a divorce. (laughs) And then they got a divorce, you know, like a few years later. And it's like the timeline would have matched up to where they would have met Jerry Richardson around, you know, not too long before the time Britain Burson came to exist. Oh, wow. so it's the problem. The funny theory is that Jr. is bad. And then Britain Burson. Yeah, yeah. I know Br- Brian is a is a big Burson fan, and so yes, Brian has told me the story before, so I was fully aware. <laughs> it's the it sounds like the Illuminati to me. His, his brother mm-hmm. Bradford Burson follows me on Twitter. Fun fact. Well, yeah, because you're like his brother's you're super like the fan. only person who cares about his brother. Yeah, <laughs> that's not true. There's a lot of Panthers fans who care about Brenton Burson. All right, a lot of them. I don't know how I feel about being a meme. Like, I, I don't know if people genuinely a... root for me as a person, or if they just root for me because it keeps them keeps them making jokes. Hey, as long as the a... paychecks keep rolling in, they can call me whatever <laughs> the hell they want. Exactly. I have been turned into a yeah. meme before, and it's not that bad. You you tell me you're a joke. You know I'm still an NFL wide receiver, bitch. You know, well you still making well. That's fine. You forgot Rich. You left out Rich. (laughs) I wipe my tears with those hundred dollar bills. I mean, come on. Roll on me all you want. I'm still making four times what you make every day. So, and then Burson goes out there on third and nine and gives you twelve yards and a first down. And hey. Everything's right in the world. And then he's hero for a day. Yep. Has your Brenton Burson ever caught a pass? Yes, and he catches he, – he randomly converts one-third down per game. So he really <laughs> is Brenton Burson. Okay. Yeah. Like it'll be it, – what you just described, it'll be third and eight, and he'll get like 10 yards. And yeah. that will be the only catch you'll have for the entire Are we game. sure he's not the same person? Are we, yeah, are we really – are we sure they're not the same guy? <laughs> they may they very well be. be. I kind of hope they are, if you want to know the truth, because that that becomes a really cool story. <laughs> Nick Williams is just Brenton Burson with like fake glasses and a mustache on. Yes, for a little bit there, there were CSR readers who thought I was Brenton Burson, and I would have totally loved that if that were true. <laughs> that Brian Beversluis is just such a fake name that somebody would obviously make up on the spot. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you have to say BB. He wasn't even that original. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh man, didn't even try that hard. Just uh, shave my gold, my blonde locks, flowing. Locks he is tall. And, uh, I am tall. I am white, and my name starts. Checks with B. all the boxes. It's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So he's not Michael Sarah. He's actually Brenton Burson. So we've solved this mystery. Yep. I, I started in super bad, and I am a former Panthers receiver. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're uh, getting towards the end mark here. Um, anything else you guys would like to talk about, Brad or John? Uh, no, I'm good. Brad? Uh, <laughs> nah. I was going to ask another question, but nah. You can ask your question. Nobody's nobody's stopping you. It's a safe place. Is it a safe place? Can I really ask my question? It's a, yeah, it's a safe it's place, a, Brad. It's a safe space. It's a safe space. It's a safe space. In case you get triggered. Yeah, it's a oh, safe yeah. Space Hashtag triggered. triggered. Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, I just wanted to know who, which team. It doesn't have to be NFC South, but who do you think had the best draft, and who do you think had the worst? Other than the Saints, they don't count. Ah, oh, damn it! Because <laughs> I know that's what you're both going to say. I mean, I think the the Browns had the best draft. I know they're not in the NFC, but I actually. But it doesn't like have to. It can be any team. It doesn't have to be an NFC team. 
I thought the Browns had a knockout draft this year. Um, worst draft would probably be the Texans because I believe they their last pick, their first pick was in the first was in the third round. So I'm gonna go with uh, Texans. There. I will say I think it's very funny that the Texans didn't have a first round pick to because they used it to acquire a quarterback last year, and they didn't have a second round pick because they used it to get rid of a quarterback last year. You can't make that up. Like <laughs> that's not good. Uh, you know, management of assets. Definitely not hashtag good for sure. Who did Cleveland take with that pick? That was the Denzel Ward. That, okay. The, corner, <laughs> the fourth overall. Okay. So people are a little bit surprised that he was taken that high, but. He's a great pick out of a great university. I might yeah, add. You're not you're not biased at all, are you? you not know, even a little bit. No. Gina, did you know that Ridley played for Alabama? I'm aware, but now he plays for the Falcons, so I don't care. You know who else <laughs> played he, for Alabama? But, he, but, tied, though. I, but no, thank you. They play for the Falcons now. Let's rise up. Do Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley get like act, an attribute boot because they went to the same school and that improves their chemistry? Oh. <laughs> Maybe. I'm go with that. Who knows? All right. Go ahead, Gina. Tell us about your your favorite draft and least favorite draft. Go ahead. Um, let me think. Oh, gosh, I don't even remember anybody's drafts at this point. I'm gonna blame the um cough syrup with coding. Like I'm you don't have to answer I'm, the question. It's fine. Um, okay, well, I'm going to break the rules and say the Saints have the worst draft because right. they are trash. <laughs> and I'm going to say that the Falcons had the best draft because okay. that is a draft that I remember for a team that I like. <laughs> I, I will let it slide, Gina, I because I know brand. that that is your hashtag brand. So mm-hmm. I, I will let I it also, go. I also the show has had way too many verbal hashtags. Draft. Way to take my pick there, Gina. Jesus. I said it before hey, you did. I do what I want. I. You're both obtuse. Anyway, uh, DW, what are your picks here? Uh, all right. I, I will obey the rules because that's how Gina and I roll. Uh, <laughs> um, Apparently not, but okay. Yeah, right. Uh, I think I, I really question what the Seahawks were doing. Uh they have are uh, inarguably the worst offensive line in football, and it seems like they didn't even realize that in the entire draft. Uh, so they're they're completely content with letting Russell Wilson get murdered uh, behind, you know, cardboard cutouts. And uh, you know, our, I, I think they're probably one of the worst ones. I actually had a surprise pick. I thought the Cardinals had a pretty solid draft class um agreed i agree yeah. with that i think they, they got the best quarterback out of the top yeah sport. exactly I, I actually felt like um you know we're, especially for where they got josh rosen um yeah and, he's pissed off so i think he's going to be even better than he would have been yeah and I, I think the traits that he has the, the 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 positive traits translate quicker to success in the nfl and uh i, I think getting christian kirk uh, when they still have Larry Fitzgerald, will give you know him some time to transition into you know more of a lead role. So I, I really like what the Cardinals did uh, as one of the top teams. Yeah, I did like I this. Can't hate on, I can't hate on the Seahawks too much though because they did draft Shaquem Griffin. That's that. I think that was their only good pick. <laughs> yeah, that was their best pick. Mm-hmm. I did. Baltimore was good because I, yeah, I didn't even think about them with Lamar Jackson and then um, Hayden Hurst got baby. him. But Seattle, I forgot about um, having, like you said, a terrible offensive line and then drafting a running back that is kind of one-dimensional in that he's not – hasn't proven to be a bit great, a huge threat out of the backfield as a pass catcher. Seems kind of weird. I don't know how he's going to contribute if he has no one to run behind. Exactly. Sounds like the Carolina Panthers last year. Hey! Hey. <laughs> So, DW, tell yes. us where to follow you. Tell us where to follow you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Falcoholic DW, uh, and I'll be weekly dropping the Falcoholic podcast on everyone's ears with Gina Thomas and me sometimes. Mm-hmm. As always, yes. 
I'll put all your guys' information in the post for this too. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. And Gina, where where can we find you on Twitter? Um, you can find me at Gina Thomas. That's J E A N N A Thomas. And you can find my work mostly at the Falcoholics these days. Um, I've transitioned into a different role at SC Nation, and so I am back to just writing about Falcons, which I truly enjoy. More opportunities to call the Saints trash. I'm really into it. And we're a fan of that, too, as the Panthers, who hate the Saints, probably just as much as most Falcons fans do. So we will be definitely talking again in the future, especially since these two teams play each other twice a year. Um, But if you are too lazy to find them on Twitter, I'm sure you'll find me and or the CSR handle corresponding with them slash talking shit slash memeing back and forth. So, <laughs> from all of us here at the CSR podcast and uh, DW and Gina, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening, and hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. See you guys later. See ya. Keeps the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the hand off, and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It's a road win in New England. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about... Lawn care disasters. Regional grocery stores we love. Tennessee Batman. Homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.